Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by Silverscreen and Roll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined as always by Jacob Rude. And before, or I should say last week, we had talked about the potential for uh, just a really bad vibes podcast had the Lakers <laughs> lost to the Thunder and the Magic. Uh, thankfully, Jacob, that is not something we have to deal with. Thought the bad vibes were going to be there, though, because this team is still uh, a bit nonsensical at times. But uh, that first half was not encouraging. Second half was that third quarter was awesome. And it is a good vibes podcast as a result. Yeah, I uh, think the thing we should start off with is LeBron James putting on another masterclass and putting to bed any uh, stories that may or may have not been written about this, it being it for him, like LeBron James, <laughs> no, the, at the time of him carrying a team is over. Um, I think that's been written at least, you know, four times in the last four years. And then, you know, he does it uh, on Sunday. He had 30 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists, Um just that from the very first basket he made blew by Mo Bamba. And I was like, all right, that's that type of night for LeBron. Yeah. He has a extra bounce in his step. And another thing that caught you off guard in post game is his reason for uh, why he had such a pep in his step and why he's played so well lately. He, this man is, it it blew my mind. So he cited sleep and inspiration from his. He watched uh, Bronny play on Saturday, I believe. Uh, he cited sleep and inspiration from that. And kudos to Dave McMiniman for asking the hard hitting question of what is considered a good night's sleep for you, LeBron. And he responded by telling us he slept from uh midnight to 8 a.m woke up got breakfast and then slept from 8 30 until 12 30 that man slept 12 hours and so yeah i i said i tweeted after that i think i could be the uh, lebron of blogging if i got 12 hours of sleep every night yeah you know what's funny is when i saw that i was like that was essentially my sleep schedule after finals in college. That first night, it's just like, I'm going to sleep in. Mm-hmm. But also when I sleep in and I wake up, it's still too early and I'm very tired. So I'm going to sleep some more. So, uh, but I, I can say with confidence that even with those 12 hours of sleep, I could not uh, drop 30 points, even on the magic who are <laughs> a, a very bad team. Uh, LeBron and 30 point games are becoming somewhat of a uh, regular occurrence again lately. He had, uh, you know, his big night against Orlando. 
against OKC, he had 33 points. Against Boston, in that win, he had 30 points. Um, just a really productive month from LeBron James. And his comments about him getting the right amount of sleep, and I think it was after the Thunder game, him saying his you know, uh, ab injury and his groin just are starting to feel healthier. It's all, all things are going really well in the LeBron James department right now. And I'm knocking all on (laughs) sorts of wood right now, but go on. That's why I said right now. Um, And, you know, as you said at the top of the show, the Lakers do still do some really nonsensical stuff. But if there's one player in the entire NBA, you want to kind of put a bandaid over that until you can correct it, whether it's, you know, by the time you're listening to this two days from now, when the Lakers can, you know, really start engaging in trade talks or just when everybody's healthy and the rotation looks more similar to what it's going to look like in um, hopefully the postseason. Um, the Lakers are very lucky to have LeBron James and hopefully with good health, uh, they'll continue to have this version of LeBron James. This version of LeBron, like each year he does something that uh, is more impressive than the last. And I think this year, the impressive thing is that the, just the start and stop nature of his season so far Um I wrote about him saying he was getting healthier and healthier uh, on Sunday. And um, that OKC game was his fourth consecutive game played. And that was the first time all season he had played at least or more than three consecutive games. Uh, He had the ankle injury. He had the ab injury. He had the fight. He had the health and safety protocols. And yet, through all of that, he really has been like he I I can't recall like a bad LeBron game this season. Uh, There might have been one or two. Maybe I just blocked it out of memory. But um, like he's been incredible this season. So, um, man, the fact he's going to be 37 in a little more than two weeks. The fact he's doing this, like another thing that like kind of blew my mind is just the simple fact somebody pointed out to uh, Taylor as he was speaking post game. Taylor is 16 years younger than LeBron. Yeah, and they are in the starting lineup together, and it's just wild. Like he, they asked Taylor about the blocks LeBron had and just that energy, and he's like, "If LeBron's out there at 36 year old, 36 years old doing it, like then I really don't have an excuse." and to a certain extent, I mean, that kind of sets the tone. Like, if LeBron is going all out like he was on Sunday night, uh, nobody else really has an excuse. And, yeah, he was, like you said, from the first shot, uh, there was just a different kind of feeling about LeBron tonight. Um, and he, yeah, I, I I, don't I don't know how to describe it because you don't get a lot of these. Uh, somebody uh, – called it a limited resource in the post-game presser. Vogel didn't, Vogel said he didn't really treat it as such because, I mean, LeBron is still playing at an absurdly high level, but uh, the way that he played tonight doesn't happen often. 
and uh i don't know they're fun to watch i without getting too like big picture like these are the types of games where i want to like really appreciate them because i don't know how many more there's a very finite amount of games like this he has left uh even though he is a basketball cyborg but i if he's sleeping 12 hours a night maybe he can do this until he's 47 yeah i get the argument that the lakers shouldn't be leaning on a soon-to-be 37-year-old player for their success, uh, especially when they have a superstar and or should be superstar in his mid-20s. I get all of that. Um, but LeBron James is making the money he is for a reason, and the roster is built around him, at least for the most part. I understand bringing in Russell Westbrook changed the calculus of that a little bit, um, but if you're building your roster for success around LeBron James, I think most of the time it is going to bear fruit. And it did in his second season with the team. We'll see what happens at the trade deadline. And, you know, if they can shift some things around and make it look more like a LeBron James team, I like they, they looked good against the magic and um, you know, Talon, was the other one that stuck out to me uh, wasn't, I don't know. I, what, what are you, before we get into Taylor's game, what were your thoughts on Westbrook's game? Yeah, he, he's gotten better about kind of picking and choosing his spots and his moments and his nights in general, um, which I guess is just kind of the nature of blending in with this team. Um, it was, there was some frustrating – I mean, really, the team in general was frustrating in the first half. Uh, outside of the first, I don't know, three minutes, four minutes, uh, they were annoying, to be honest. And uh, Russ had a couple turnovers during that stretch. Him, The team had 13 turnovers tonight, and him and LeBron had 11 of them. Um, but he settled in and – it was kind of a role reversal because he's usually the guy that brings that level of energy and it was LeBron tonight. So um, he still is, I, I think he's still figuring out how to play next to these guys. And the fact AD isn't there is like this, this big three feels almost cursed that they're ever going to play together, but right. Uh, he's he's playing next to LeBron a lot better. I think he didn't attempt a three on the night, which I think in the long run is probably a good thing. But uh, I mean, the Magic are five and twenty three or whatever they are for a reason. And um, so yeah, it, it was a quiet game, but still a quiet rest game. It was nineteen seven and five with a couple steals and um, playing thirty six minutes. I thought Frank. Uh, rotated those two staggered those two really well one of them was always on the floor in the night so uh these are the these are much better types of games it's not it's not common you get a quiet rest game it's either loud one way or the other so i will happily take a quietly efficient rest performance okay yeah that is i mean almost verbatim uh the feelings i had about rest's game i just wanted to get your thoughts on it before we jumped in to Talon's night and again it, it was against the Magic um, who were not a good team there are a few guys on their team that I wouldn't mind for the Lakers but 
as a collection of talent. Um, these are the teams the Lakers should beat as badly as they did. That being said, uh, there have been games where, you know, a guy like Talon should have made the most of his opportunities and just didn't. And, you know, tonight was another opportunity for him and he did. And for a player, his age and his skill set, I think when those games comes, you have to, you know, give credit where it's due. And on Sunday night, he poured in 19 points on an efficient seven of 14 shooting from the field, including three of six shooting from three point range also added six seals, but the three of six shooting from three point range doesn't stand out to me just because it was efficient. It was the quality of shots he was taking and it was the amount of confidence he was taking the shots with. I think if, you know, that Taylor said as much after the game that he was getting a little more comfortable with the starters and figuring out where his spots are going to come from on the floor. Um, I understand it's hard for somebody that's shooting 25% from three to feel comfortable letting it fly. But if he's Frank's guy and it's kind of set in stone that he is going to be the starting three guard uh, when everybody's healthy, that was a Freudian slip. I said three guard. He's going to, I mean, that's what he is. That's a good description (laughs) of him. Uh, But the, uh, the point is, he's got to figure out his role if he's the guy and a big part of that role is going to be him taking those shots with confidence and making them. And on Sunday he did, I really hope that this continues for him because as I've said before, I'm probably not as high on Taylor as a lot of people seem to be not, not that I don't think he's going to be a good player. I, I do think he's going to have a long and successful career in the NBA. My question is, just really how he fits with this core Uh, because when you're making as much money as he is, I think the number one or the last problem you want from your fourth highest paid player on your roster is whether or not you can close games with him or whether or not you can play with the best players on your team. Uh, That's the biggest concern I have for him right now. Uh, And games like this, because there have been games like this this season, maybe not with all of the big three, but there have been games like this this season where he has looked really comfortable, and I hope that's the case for him going forward. Yeah, there were a couple. Talon talked to the media after the game, but Vogel was asked about him, and he he pointed out something that may get a little lost, and it I, it's really just something in general with this team, but uh Talon's had kind of a whirlwind since he came back he obviously missed about a month I believe and then he comes back and it's uh LeBron isn't there and then LeBron is there and then he's in and out of the lineup AD's been in and out of the lineup um and it's been each time one of those guys goes out it's a different kind of it's a different almost set of responsibilities he has to take, especially when it's LeBron. Um, and Talon has to be more of a ball handler when that happens versus tonight when LeBron and Russ are both playing, Talon doesn't do nearly as much ball handling and it's a lot more spot up shooting. So Vogel said that the main thing that they're trying to do is help him build some consistency and just 
get an idea of where he's going to find his spots. And that's what Talon said is one of the big things that he's been trying to do is get a comfort level with picking and choosing his spots and where he can get his shots. And it's different even when AD's in there. Uh, but I also think he's he's doing a good job of filling in as a as the role player um the before the game Vogel was asked what he kind of expects from the other two perimeter players when the big three start together and they start smaller and he listed off a bunch of things but defense and kind of perimeter scoring were two of the big ones he said and uh, Talon needs to knock down three-pointers for that to really unlock both his game and this lineup if this is the lineup they're going to go with and tonight he knocked him down it's been hot and cold when he first came back it was really really hot and then it was really 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 cold um, for about every game after that uh, he started uh, through those first three games was shooting 40 percent on 6.7 attempts per game and then the next 10 games, he was shooting 8% on two and a half attempts per game. Um, he went two of three against OKC. And then tonight, he said after the game that one of the biggest differences is that he is uh, being aggressive as a shooter in those catch and shoot situations. He said it got to a point where he was hesitating and thinking about it and um, that leads to that was leading to bad results and he said that he's made a point the last couple of games to just be aggressive he didn't make any changes in his shot he's not Kyle Kuzma Justin has shot 47 times and in, in a season uh he just said it was a mindset thing so uh when he's playing like he is tonight he also spoke I mean defense he's he's going to be important the Lakers have a really high ceiling see a really high ceiling with him defensively he had six steals tonight which is the most since january of 2020 by a laker and when things are going well him and avery bradley are a really good defensive duo in the backcourt um i thought avery bradley played decently defensively and then Talon had the six steals tonight so this is one of the better games Talon's had alongside LeBron. It might be the best game he's had alongside LeBron yet this season. Uh, he had 19 points. I think it really helps him. It really helps a lot of the guys when they do the LeBron at center lineups. It's just like defensively, it can be a bit of a mess. I, I don't quite understand what their game plan is when LeBron's at center defensively because – in theory, it feels like they should just switch. And uh, before the the Pistons game, uh, they had a stint in the fourth quarter where they just switched everything, and they were really good defensively, and it looked really good. And then LeBron went in health and safety protocols. AD has been hurt. They haven't used it a ton. They used it again on – Sunday and that was the lineup Orlando made the run in the fourth quarter to get back into the game on and it was because just pick and rolls they were icing them and LeBron and Mello as the bigs icing a pick and roll uh, shockingly 
wasn't working. Uh, but offensively, that lineup was still really good. And you saw Talon used as a cutter a lot. He's able to be a ball handler. It spaces things so much when you put LeBron at center that Talon, Russ, LeBron can all get to the rim and it just opens up so many things. I think that's a big thing. Um, it was a big thing tonight. And if they can continue to do that and play good enough defensively, I think it can really help someone like Talon because it's a lot easier to find those spots to score when the floor is as open as it is. Yeah. The, to your point about the LeBron mellow big lineups, um, I do think that is a product of Frank Wong wanting to see whether a lineup of that type works. Um, and I think, I, I don't want to, you know, go off on this tangent too long, but I really do think we're starting to see that Frank Vogel through the first 20, however games you want to call it, probably wasn't clueless when it came to this roster. It really <laughs> was just about the guys he had available. And somebody shared a backstage Lakers clip uh, on my TL the other day where Frank was talking about, you know, Trevor Ariza being hurt, kind of changing the AD at center lineups and the hopes that they had for that. And, you know, it looks like Ariza is going to be coming back soon. So I do think when, when he's back and hopefully if, if the Lakers add some more, steps at the forward at, at the trade deadline or in the post-trade deadline buyout my market. Thaddeus Young, if you're listening to this, come oh, to LA, man. please. <laughs> I, I don't imagine it'll be by way of a trade because he does play for the Spurs. And as we know, Greg Popovich would retire before he was on a Spurs <laughs> team that, that dealt with the Lakers. Um, but my point is, I, I think once this team's fully healthy assuming that ever happens i think the lineups will look a lot better i think they'll play a lot better but i think the most encouraging sign right now is even without all those guys being healthy they look like they're starting to understand how to play together better and frank it, by the same token is understanding which guys play well together yeah they LeBron said as much as well, just kind of unprompted. Uh, he just said uh, they're logging minutes together and they're figuring things out. Logging minutes is what he said over and over. Um, and I don't know. It's uh, it's not what people want to hear, but there is still some patience needed. I don't. I know everyone probably hates that word after how much they said it during the preseason and, and how bad this start was. Um, but they, as you said, they haven't really gotten a fair shake with what they expect their best roster to be. Um, there's a lot more questions to be asked about relying on Ariza so much versus relying on LeBron. LeBron at 37 and Ariza, at, I think he's 36, are uh, two different animals. And, uh, but, Ariza's going to unlock a lot with this lineup. And I mean, Vogel's made no secret about it that Ariza is going to be really important to this team. Uh, they need more 
They need multiple guys like him, a Thad Young or whoever, Kenrich Williams, something, a 3-4 hybrid uh, wing that can help this team, um, help unlock this team. But, yeah, they uh, – this this current crop is, is – I mean, this is as healthy as they've been all year, and they've been this healthy um, for a couple weeks now. And – I don't think it's a coincidence that they just blew out back-to-back teams as a result. Um, I mean, this is also the same team still that lost to the Grizzlies barely or not even a week ago. Um, in a vacuum, you could write that game off as they had 20-some-odd turnovers and it's a Grizzlies team that is playing really well. But this is – I mean, with what the Lakers have done this year, you can't really look at it without – having some context, but even with that game, like they are, they're certainly playing better. I don't think that's arguable. Like they are definitely playing better. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think it's a coincidence that it's coming at a time when they've actually finally got a good run of games where they can uh, play with one another and, after tonight, they've won five of their last seven. That Clippers game, the Clippers are a playoff team. That was a a a good team that, that lost to them or that they lost to. And then that Grizzlies game are their only two losses uh, in the last seven games. So I they've turned a corner, um, and I think that there will be another corner that they turn whenever – Ariza's not going to come in and right away unlock things because it's going to end up – have it be over three months since he played, uh, but he's going to unlock a lot of things with this team. And I think there'll be an, at least one more corner that they'll turn when he comes back. Yeah. And I think Ariza coming back is even if it's not him unlocking things with this team, I think it will give Frank Vogel a better idea of what this team needs. I'm sure he already has a pretty good idea. He saw what worked in the 2019-20 season uh but again russ changes the whole calculus of this team and um i don't know it's this roster is again the same roster that put up those stinkers earlier in the season and even last week but it does feel different and the stretches where it seems like they just can't figure anything out or can't get a win are getting smaller and uh i there's no one person you can attribute that to more than lebron james uh at pickup hoop who if you don't follow on twitter is a great follow uh if you're a lakers fan tweeted out the stat after the game uh in 16 games with lebron the lakers have 110 offensive rating in the 12 games without lebron they had an offensive rating of 103.5 Again, the Lakers, even with the DeAndre Jordan lineups, were really good defensively. Um, and like for this season, they're they're pretty good defensively. 11th in defense after ten, after uh, Sunday night's game. The offense was always what needed to improve if they were going to have a, a positive net rating. And, you know, LeBron James does that for you. And, you know, with more defense around him uh 
just to one open things up for him, but, but more defenders to hide shooters like Wayne Ellington and and Malik Monk. It's just going to do so many things for this team, and I'm, you know, again, not not to get not to overreact to a win against the Magic and back to back wins against the Thunder and Magic, uh, but I think if you've been watching this team from start to finish, you see a palpable change in the way they're playing and uh you see like hope on the horizon when it comes to what this team can do now is it going to catapult them to the level that the warriors Suns, and jazz are playing right now not immediately probably not and you know even when the postseason rolls around i'm still going to be very scared of those teams sans maybe the chess um but it will certainly get them closer to it. And in that stretch of games you were talking about, you know, the Lakers have the fourth best net rating in that time frame. which again, if, if by the end of the season, I, I don't know, I'm really bad at math. <laughs> I don't know if it's uh, still possible for them to have the fourth best net rating or, or what that gap will look like um, by the end of the season. But, you know, if after the first 20 games you told somebody that the Lakers at the end of the season, were going to have the fourth best net rating. I'll even say, if you told me the Lakers are going to have the fourth best net rating, I would have said, you know, probably not. I don't think the guys on the roster are the guys that are going to get it done that get them to that level. The fact that they're playing at that level, at least right now uh, with the guys that they have available gives me hope. And the fact that, they have a real opportunity to, you know, upgrade around the margins and and get help where they need it, particularly on the wing, uh, to expand some of those minutes at with those small ball lineups. Gives me hope that, you know, they will go into the postseason as the third or fourth best team, or at least you know, one of the favorites to make it out of the Western Conference. And, you know, having that on top of having LeBron James in a playoff series, I think should give you reason to have hope for this team in the postseason. You, it sounds like you have the numbers up in front of you, but do you know where the Lakers rank um, in defensive rating this season? Uh, so the number I saw, uh, yeah, I have it pulled up. Yeah. I just didn't know if you, if you had looked They're 11th in defensive rating Mm -hmm. for the season that I, I hadn't looked at the, just the, the ratings for the season. I usually look at them in some type of segment. A lot of times it's their. I've written a couple of stories on their third quarters, which I mean, that third quarter net rating is probably skyrocketed, uh, after tonight, but. Yeah, they're 11th in defensive net rating. And as you said, the, even when DeAndre was out there, the defense was never the problem. But I know it's come against a pretty easy schedule, relatively speaking. But considering all the pieces that they've put together, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm impressed. Vogel spoke today. He had spoken earlier in the season. It was actually, I believe, after that Blazers game in Portland where they got smacked. 
he said that they were having to simplify the defense um, because guys weren't getting it basically. And I mean, there's a lot that they, that they were throwing at them and he was asked again tonight or Sunday about the defense and whether they were still simplifying it or whether they had begun adding stuff to it. And he said that they were actually just keeping it simplified because they really, really wanted to um, kind of drive home the basics or the base coverage and make sure that they were really good at that before they started adding anything else. I also would imagine that um, adding Trevor Reza, I mean, he's just a good defender, so that's going to help as well. And that probably changes some of the stuff that they want to do defensively. So uh, they probably don't want to get too wild, but um, yeah, the, this team has been all over the place. Uh, they've been really high. They've been really low. What it appears they're settling into right now is a above average team. Now, a lot of that can change. They could go to Dallas on, I'm not sure when they play Tuesday, maybe, and just get, uh, or on Wednesday at Dallas, they could get stomped. Although I don't know if Lucas playing, I know he's out, but then they follow it up. They could go to Minnesota and lay another egg against the Timberwolves. Like this team's still capable of it. I don't fully trust them yet. It's going to be a while before I fully trust a team that lost to the Thunder twice this year. But ultimately, based on just kind of the, the the big sample size that we have the whole season, this is an above average team that is gaining all of its pieces back, gaining minutes together. And you can see what the – I mean, we've given the front office a lot of shtick for relying so much on so many veterans that have been hurt. I, the roster construction still isn't great, but you can see what they had in mind mm -hmm. with this roster, assuming that everybody was healthy. Whether they should have assumed everybody was going to be healthy, especially after last season, you can uh, that can be up for debate. But you can see what this roster, what they had in mind, what the construction was supposed to be, and it makes sense. And you're seeing some of the some of the strengths of this team starting to, to play out. Um, I'm optimistic about this team. I don't know that I, uh, I was as much in recent weeks, uh, but I'm optimistic about what this team's done the last couple games. Grizzlies game kind of excluded from that. Uh, and Ariza is going to practice with the G League on Monday. Uh, it's obviously not an apples to apples comparison, but when Ellington practiced with the G League, he was up a couple days later. I don't know that Ariza's that close, but I would not be surprised if when we talk uh, next week after that Bulls game, if he hasn't played a game or two by then, uh, or maybe a game or might be set for that Suns game, but I think he's really close and that's going to be Kendrick Nunn is not close. So that's going to be the final kind of version of this team for a while. And I'm, I'm excited to see what it's going to look like.
you mentioned the games Lakers have coming up against the Mavericks, the Wolves, and then on Sunday against the Bulls, who potentially, <laughs> yeah, right now have like six players available. Um, yeah, I didn't realize today Stanley Johnson was with the Southway Lakers. They signed him as a replacement player, and he was put into health and safety protocols before even playing a game. So they need a replacement player for their replacement player. Yeah, that's uh, – I didn't even realize he was a replacement player. I thought he was just a standard contract. Um, well, he, he might be. I don't really know what, uh, what is going on in Chicago. But, yeah, I think after Sunday they have nine players in health and safety protocols. And by, just by mentioning Chicago, we, we keep our streak of mentioning right. Alex Caruso <laughs> alive. So thank it's you for doing be- that going to be mentioned next week so we're we're, cl- we're clear for a couple weeks now uh that'll do it for our show this week thank you for listening uh as we said there will be a few games this weekend uh jacob i'm seeing spider-man no way home on thursday so we won't talk about that because that is far too soon to be to be talking about uh spider-man spoilers but uh even if even if the Lakers go like zero and three, it would be very hard for me to have <laughs> a bad week if that movie is good. And God, I hope it is. My the rest of my year and possibly my my twenty twenty two is riding on this movie being good. Oh my! I uh, I haven't even tried to get tickets. Uh, I generally don't like going to the theater when there's a bunch of people there. Uh, though the Marvel movies are when I make exceptions, but also I just knew it was like really hard to get tickets right now. And I just didn't even really, uh, try, but I am very excited. Hopefully I will have watched it by the time we talk next week, because I don't trust the internet not to keep spoilers, uh, secret that long. So I typically try to go to those movies as quickly as possible, but I, my entire year is not writing on this movie. But or the rest of the year is not writing on this movie, but I am very excited. Uh, we will catch up with you guys next week. Thanks for listening.